Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. This is a really good episode. We had a bunch of people on last night. Me and Dan sat down and talked about some of the stuff we're thinking about in May for deer season. We also had a couple news stories. Um, there's a real popular forum on the Hunting Beast Forum about drones and the new technology coming down the line. Me and Dan talked about that for a little bit. Uh, and we talked about a whole bunch of other stuff, a lot of good questions. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this one. Got to thank some of my partners. The first one being Osseo Gear. Osseo Gear is a great option for whitetail hunters. They developed a premium line of bow hunting gear that will rival any other clothing on the market in quality. I used some of it this week, turkey hunting, and all their like hoodies and stuff having built-in face masks. And man, that was nice. I'm always like losing face masks and stuff, so having that built into the hoodie was was uh, was a great feature uh, for for turkey hunting. Uh, plus, you got a lifetime warranty on anything you buy from Osseo, which that's freaking awesome as well. They have a super unique camo pattern uh, and great technology in their garments to keep you comfortable in the stand or in the turkey woods or just wearing it around Walmart or something. So visit ASIOgear.com to get you some premium hunting clothing. Also, got to give a shout out to Exodus. No real ad reads this week for Exodus. Had a great conversation with Jake from Exodus last week. We recorded an episode that should be coming up on their show uh, pretty soon. They're great guys. I just want to kind of pitch their all their podcasts that they do. Uh, you got the Deer Gear podcast that Cameron does. You got Land podcast that Jake does. And, of course, Trail Cam Radio that they all kind of collaborate together on. Uh, go check out all of their material and their YouTube channel, Exodus Outdoor Gear, and you guys will, will be a better deer hunter because of it also got to thank stealth outdoors maker of probably the one product that i use in almost every aspect of my hunting i was just i was using my uh my little chair for the blind uh that i was sitting in turkey hunting and i had an i had an idea i had i need to tape that dang uh chair up that little folding chair that way the legs and stuff don't make noise on it with some stealth strips you guys haven't tried stealth strips yet Get your hands on them. Go to stealthoutdoors.com. Right now is a great time to be tinkering with gear during the off season. Get everything nice and quiet and ready to go uh, for for your 2023 deer seasons, and and you you'll you won't be rushing around worrying about getting this or, or that done. Get your stuff taped up with stealth strips. And finally, of course, hunting beast gear. Makers of, in my opinion, the best mobile tree stand on the market. For the money, it's the lightest thing you can get for the size. And I think if you guys would just get your hands on it, uh, put in those, those pre-orders to get you a beast stand, you won't regret it. It's been with me on almost every single one of my deer kills the last couple of years. And honestly, it is something that uh, once you once you start using a mobile stand, like the B-Stand, you'll never go back to um, some, something else. So visit huntingbeastgear.com and get you a B-Stand and B-Sticks. Links to all my partners are down in the description. All right, let's get into the episode. Hey, everybody. What's going on? <laughs> Welcome to the show. Hope everybody's doing good tonight. Um, how's Dan doing? I'm alive. Me too. 
I've been getting itched to buy another turkey tag and go down to Kentucky and hunt this weekend. Mm. I was doing some uh, scouting online today to see see if I could. I've been down there enough to where I I have a pretty good idea of where birds are most of the time, but I haven't been down there in a couple of years turkey hunting. So, but we ate some of that turkey the other night, and Maggie's like, "Man, we need another couple of these this year." And I'm like, "Well, maybe I'll take care of that this weekend." Got my uh, got my Nova right here. I cleaned it up today and ah. got it ready. How often do you clean your guns? Um, I think I did that once. Yeah, um, I'm horrible about it. Once every uh, couple of years, unless I get them uh, wet, real bad. Yeah, I'm not very good at cleaning my guns. Yeah, I clean my um, defense gun more often because I worry I, uh, about working when I need it. Yeah, I hadn't cleaned this one in a and a good bit. And, uh, I just don't, I mean, it's my, I only use it really for turkey hunting. She's usually the only thing I use a shotgun for anymore. And so it's like, I shoot one or two shells through the year, you know, and it's just like, huh, it's probably okay. But I when I used to gauge for deer and I used, and we used to be able to hunt late in the year because of CWD and, yeah. and you had to hunt with a 12 gauge back in the early part of that. Yep. Um, I used to clean it every year because, uh, it would freeze up. The pin would freeze and stuff would get dirty or the oil would get sticky or something. Yeah. So, um, I would clean it all the time, but, um, uh, yeah, I don't shoot my guns very often. I just shoot when I kill something and that ain't all too often. Yeah. yeah. Except for I take shots before the season, I guess, but yeah. Same other than muzzleloaders. I, you know, I clean that thing all the time whenever I'm, um, well, that you have to. Yeah. Yep. My cousin bought a uh, brand new, or he had an Encore. Remember the Thompson Center Encore, that really high-end muzzleloader? Yeah. Um, and he, he forgot to clean it after season one year, and the breech plug, plug, plug like, he couldn't get it out at all mm. the next the next season. And his dad owns a, uh, or, like, owns a, Oh, I don't know what you call like a mechanic shop kind of thing. Has yeah. all those tools and everything. They couldn't get it out either. With all their oh. like mechanic tools. So I don't know what he ever did with that. I don't know if you could send that into Thompson Center and have them fix it or not. But I just was curious. Um, I remember uh, my uh, brother-in-law Jason uh, went to a gun gun show. He was he's not a serious hunter, but mm-hmm. he likes to come along with us for like. Um, usually opening day of gun season. You've probably seen him in the videos. Um, mm-hmm. Now he's got a really nice rifle, but when he first started coming, he just wanted to get a gun so he could just join us, you know, just have fun. Yeah. And, uh, he went to a gun show and he bought a gun out of a barrel and they were, um, they were from like um, World War II or something, um, Japanese rifles. Yeah. They didn't fit him or nothing. I mean, the, the stock was like uh, 12 inches long. So, it was, you know, it would kick him in the face you know, the scope, you know, cut his head open and he's got a big scar on his head from it. And then, uh, one day, uh, he went to, to load a bulletin and when he did, the um, the, uh, bolt broke right off and, uh, that gun stayed in my house for, I don't know, like three years. He kept saying he was going to fix it and I, I couldn't fix it. You couldn't get it open without the bolt and stuff on there. You couldn't get it. So it was loaded the whole time. <laughs> the oh my gosh. How do you even dispose of it? You know what I mean? If somebody takes the safety off and we tried taking the safety off and pulling the trigger and the trigger mechanism wouldn't work. 
but you don't know if it could work. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't remember what we ended up doing. I think we ended up taking it to a gun shop and just uh, asking them to dispose of it for us because we didn't want to dispose of a um, gun with a live round in it. Right. Yeah, that's a a weird thing. My uh, a couple of years ago, just speaking of like guns going off randomly, my uncle had a, uh, I think it was a Savage thirty. Not that it matters what brand it was, but I probably shouldn't have said that. But uh, it was a thirty out six, and he had a he had it just shouldered, like with his round his sling over his shoulder, and the thing went off. Uh, he was walking to wherever he was going to, and he had a, a shell in the you know, up top and just walking down the cornfield and it went off over his shoulder. Mm-hmm. Um, Gotta be careful with guns. Oh, yeah. And uh, I had a 12 gauge go off in my lap once sitting in a yep. tree stand, just went off. Yep. Gosh. It's terrifying. He said it scared him. He said it like, I mean, he's scared to put another shell in it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Ended, I think they ended up fixing it. I don't know what was wrong with it. There was something wrong with it though. But you could make it go off. Like you could, you could hit it, and the, you could make the uh, firing pin go off. Mm. Um, yeah, I had no idea what happened with that twelve gauge because it had a good, you know, good trigger pull and everything else. Mm. I never understood what made that thing go off or how that trigger was like. It wasn't pulled. It was just sitting still. But it just went off. On yeah. My lap. My dad tinkers with guns a lot. And I think my uncle ended up just giving it to, he's like, I don't want any, any part of that gun anymore. I think he ended up just giving it to my dad and my dad fixed it. But, um, yeah, I've never, I mean, knock on wood, I've never had any bad experiences like that, but I've just heard stories about it. Um, yeah. Anyway, when's your next Turkey tag, Dan? I'm not till the last week. And, uh, before then I, we got, um, we got all the turkeys are still in the same pattern. They yeah. Come every day. And uh, it rained the last two days. And today's opening day of this season. And uh, Rick starts the next Wednesday. So it opens on Wednesdays here. Yeah. So tomorrow opens the next season. And uh, I had told Rick he could hunt the next week after that when he has a permit in the blind. And, uh, he, he's looking forward to it, but he also wants to run and gun and stuff. Mm-hmm. But then uh, uh, Dave uh, Greenhorn from the site. Mm-hmm. Um, he Racer asked Dave if, on YouTube. Yeah, Racer Dave, yeah. Yep. He asked if he could hunt over there too, so he's got this week. So I'm hoping he gets it done right away tomorrow. Yeah. Um, they're starting to till the fields over there. I'm pretty soon they're going to till the field, and that's going to mess it up for a day or two. So I told him he really needs to get it done tomorrow morning. Um, he's going to go out there. I'm pretty sure that if he just sits there tight till they show up, he'll get one. Yeah. So I told him the deal is he's got to film it, but he knows that. Yep. The um, my tag. So I this whole time since I put in for the Wisconsin, I thought my tag started the 17th. Mm-hmm. Well, I got on I got on the internet yesterday and uh, day before Sunday, I guess, and was looking at my tag and it starts to tint my my tag starts the 10th. So I'm glad I, I paid attention and looked at it. So I'm actually going to be hunting Wisconsin next week. I'll probably go up there the ninth. Oh, nice. And then, um, I'm out, out West though. So, mm. so those two guys hunting on, uh, Dave, before I go, when I go to last week, I'm going to have a rough last week. Cause I'm probably going to end up a little on public, a little on Dave's and I don't know what'll be left over there. Yeah. 
you know, it's a pretty small area, and those turkeys are one routine. I mean, you start pulling shells at them, it's gonna yeah. change things a little bit. Yeah, that's pretty much that's pretty constant pressure on them. Yeah, but but I really want to see Dave and uh, Rick get a bird. I already got one, so right. If I get one, it's just a bonus. Right. I don't have to be one of these guys that runs around and shoots one in every state and every county and everything else. You know, if I want to go shoot shoot another one, you know, go get a tag. But it's not a huge contest of how many turkeys I can shoot or something. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I get that for sure. Um, Everybody, before we get too much farther in tonight, if you could, like, if you guys have questions for us, try to put, like, a question mark before the comment. Um, and leave a comment in the comment section. We'll try to answer them at the end, but just leave a question mark at the, at the beginning. That'll help me sift through. We get, we got so many people on here and so many comments. It's hard for me to read everything and, and know if it's a question or not. So I think I miss some sometimes and I don't mean to, it's just uh, too many comments to go through. So just throw a question mark at the beginning of it. And that way I'll know it's a question. Um, we got some, a couple of I guess news stories we want to talk about tonight. The first one. Here, I'm going to share my screen. Oh, it's not really a news story. It's more of a just a something cool that we uh, Dan shared with me. This feller here. A couple cool things about this. It's a melanistic buck he killed, which you don't see very many of these. Uh, very many of these. And this guy, this gentleman right here, is 98 years old that killed it. Doesn't he look like Jim Shockey? Yeah, he's like, like Jim Shockey's dad. Remember when Jim Shockey used to always have his dad on? Yeah, yeah, on, I do uh, remember. His shows. Those are some of the funniest uh, shows uh, of whatever his show was called. But uh, it was his, like his, he always had his dad and his like uncle on or something. They'd go and like sit in a ground ball and you just listen to him bicker back and forth to each other. Yeah, we were but, talking about melanistic deer not too long ago. Yeah, we were. We were. That's, yeah. that's a extremely, extremely rare animal right there. Yeah. He'd have been far more likely to shoot a state record. Yeah. I mean, if you do a search on melanistic deer and look for pictures, I mean, I think there's like five pictures floating out there of melanistic yeah, deer. Yeah, right, right. They're real pretty, pretty looking but, things. Uh, I don't have permission to hunt where it's at. Yeah. I had permission on a property right next to it. But the guy's got it like his kids hunting now, and yeah. I'd like to go after it. Right. How big is it? Uh, last year, I think it was a fawn. Oh, okay. So I don't know for sure. It could have been a doe. Right. I'm hoping it was a fawn buck. Yeah. But if, you know, if it got yeah. to be two or three, I'd be pretty interested. Yeah, for I mean, sure. That there, that there might be the biggest melanistic buck ever shot. I bet it was. Yeah. Man, that's awesome, though. I can't, I can't believe... I mean, just to think about this guy being 98 and still even hunting and then something like this coming by and him killing it. and um, It's crazy. I think it was in PA, wasn't it? Oh, I, just, I don't remember. If I, if I remember right, I think it, I think I saw that it was in, in Pennsylvania. At least the page that it was on is, um, well, maybe not. They sure look crazy because they still have the white hairs like around their eyes and their nose. Yeah, and stuff. that's what I think. I think they're so pretty. They really oh. stand out, yeah. I screwed this up. But I think it, I think they're, I think they're like beautiful looking animals. They, they look like almost like a cow or something, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but pretty cool. And then the second thing we were just going to chit chat about was there was a post on the Hunt and Beast forum. I don't really have anything to bring up about this, but um, about 
thermal imaging for mm-hmm. scouting for deer and um yeah the big the big rave right now is to use those for tracking deer like after yeah. you shoot so right. there's companies and stuff starting up you know and it's really just some dude with a drone but yeah. they're starting a company now kind of like dog trackers but they track with a drone and go find your deer for you with thermal imaging yep yep yeah and it doesn't get brought up a whole bunch about uh scouting with him i mean i think i think people have mentioned it before but there was just a really good post on the hunting beast forum and um a pretty long thread people were, were chiming in about it um what are your thoughts about that dan about just scouting with one um i don't like it um yeah. but here, here's the thing that thermal imaging when you you, you know um if you got it just to find deer everybody's like well I, i'd be okay with that i'd be okay with just finding yeah. deer with it. Find, find deer as in like a, a wounded deer or a shot deer yeah wounded or dead yeah. deer right you, you go you, you can see the deer plain as day, whether it's day or night, you'll see a glow. Yeah. Um, and you can even like zoom in, see if it has antlers, that kind of stuff. But uh, the trouble with it is, is if you legalize it for tracking, it would be awfully tempting for anybody to just see where the deer are. And who'd know? Whether it's yeah. legal or it's not legal, who'd know if you took that and flew it out there? But when you fly it, you could be at the farm or at your house or at the parking lot, and you could be looking at every bed and area and stuff. You could see the bucks in, or you could see where your buck is bedded. For those that think uh, cell cams are cheating, that is like, yeah, that would change the whole game for a lot of people. And the trouble with it is, when I say could change the game, it will. There's no going yeah. back. I mean, when you open that up, that can of technology, there's no going back because um, they can't ban the sale of something like that. They can ban the use of it for hunting. They can't ban the sale of it or, or, or the manufacturing. Right. So, because it's not endangering anybody and it's a free country. So they can't ban the manufacturing or the sale of it. So if people own it, you better believe people are going to use it. And there's always going to be people who cheat and stuff. I mean, I'm not going to let that bother me in any way. It's just, and it won't, you know, because for me, it's not a competition. If people want to cheat, they're going to cheat. They're going to find a way. But it is sad. I mean, it's sad yeah. that people just get around the whole scouting, earning it, mm-hmm. working for it kind of thing. And, and it, it's here. I mean, there's nothing you can really do about it. There's going to yeah, be people I, that are bitching about it and go out and buy one. Well, I think, that's another, I think that's another thing. I think we're probably pretty far away from, like, the average hunter being able to get their hands on one. I mean, I think they're, you know, ten to $20,000 for, for yeah, one of those. Yeah, do it two years and it'll be 20 bucks. Right. That's what I meant. I think we're, I think at this moment in time, they're probably um, out of most people's price range, but. Yeah. China, uh, uh, mass manufacture them and uh, people will finance China by buying them. Yeah. And then we'll, uh, we'll get like four or five emails a week trying to get sponsors from those Chinese companies to send us one. It's kind of like uh, Dan, you know, you should make your stands in in, in America. I do. Oh, that's great. But you're too expensive. So I went to China and bought mine. I yeah. wanted I wanted to really you know fund the Chinese communist government, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they will definitely make those drones in China for cheap. It just takes a few years for them to get it down there. Right, that, that's what I meant. I meant right now. I think it's just the the hold up is the cost of them. Some people were saying, uh, which I didn't know this, about how much it costs to hire one of those drone recovery services, and they're saying about five hundred dollars. Yeah, 
four, some another guy. I think Philip Wise said there it's five hundred in Ohio. Um, in the woods said it's four fifty plus a hundred if they find it. So that's kind I would of expensive. Say, I would say on uh, on the the overall majority of those. 99% of the ones that are found with a drone would have been found with a dog. Yeah. Yeah. Probably so. I was impressed with the dogs. A good dog will run right to your deer if your deer is laying there dead. If it's shot through the liver or the guts, they're trained to smell that scent. Yep. I mean, it's a whole different story if you just hire some clown who has a dog. But if you actually get somebody who um, is trained um, on how to use dogs properly, like like we went with... Uh, Max, deer yeah. recovery, yeah, and in Wisconsin here, and he's really good. I mean, if that yeah. deer's fine, that dog will run right to it. Yeah, I shot a deer uh, probably four, four or five years ago now in Indiana. I needed a dog, couldn't couldn't find anybody here. I think it's changed a lot though since then. I think a lot of people have uh, picked it up. Um, mm-hmm. I got a hold of like three different guys, but none of them could come out, you know, in a timely manner. It was all like they're all booked up or too far away or whatever the case may be, but yeah, I didn't know. I figured, I figured that drone recovery was pretty expensive, but I didn't know exactly how much it was. Um, would you pay someone 500 bucks to look for your deer, Dan? Uh, probably not. I'd probably just hire a dog. Yeah. I think I'd yep. find it pretty easy with a dog. Yep. I guess if it's probably I don't know. It's a uh, one of those deals. Dog where... wasn't available, and it was a uh, you, you know, and I really wanted to recover the deer. I thought it was dead. I'd probably, I'd probably do it, but uh, I don't really look at it as like I'd be supporting the use of the drones. I'd look at it as uh, the drones are already here, and there's nothing I can do about it. Well, I mean, my deer for me, so yeah. I don't have a problem with using it if a guy wanted to. Um, but I would say yeah. that. Uh, you could probably get a guy with a dog to run right to your deer anyways. Yep. Yep. I mean, not most guys, but I'd say a, a, a pretty large percentage of hunters probably, you could probably couldn't swing 500 bucks for someone to come out and look for your deer. You know, it's like, that's a pretty decent chunk of change for a lot of people, you know. Um, yeah. Well, there's a lot of people won't call a dog. Yeah, that's when true. I, when I did my uh, deer recovery with the dog, Mm-hmm. I had to laugh at um, all the hate I got online. I, I got mm-hmm. a lot of messages that where people were like, if you're a real sportsman, you'd know how to track a deer and you'd find that deer. And it's yeah. like, okay, well, if you gut shot a deer and you don't have a good blood trail, that deer's dead. And if you start tracking it on your own and you jump it or, you, you know, you ruin that trail so a dog can't follow it for people that don't understand dogs. If you walk up and down that trail, what you do is you catch that scent that wound scent from that deer and that yep. scent follows your boots everywhere you go and now that dog's confused and he's running all over the place if you just leave it alone if you got a bad hit and you get the dog in there the dog will run right to the deer uh gut shot deer yep. they they find them most of the time like right the only thing that will really kill you with a gut shot deer or a liver shot deer is if something spooks that deer after you shoot it yeah like you never you know if a coyote or something you go through that deer unknowingly and jump it or if a coyote gets on it or um something like that yeah uh, they, they can then go for miles for instance uh one deer that i shot um i hit in the liver and this is a long long time ago this is uh 
actually 1990. I, uh, I jumped that deer too soon on a liver shot. And he was like, like they usually do. He only went, you know, like 75 or a hundred yards from where I shot him and laid down and he would have been there dead the next morning if I would have left it be. Mm-hmm. But I didn't, I poked around and I jumped that buck cause I was younger and stupider in 1990. Right. Sure. That buck jumped up and ran off. But the whole reason I had the, the uh, balls to go after that deer a little bit early was because I thought I hit a little better. You know, I, I kind of knew better, but I was like, well, there's snow on the ground. Yeah. But with that snow, once I jumped that deer, I backed off till morning. Then I tracked it and it went over five miles. Mm. It went over five miles. And where I found it dead, it looks like it died walking. Yeah. Just fell over. Mm. Yeah, I can I can see how drones would be useful for like DNR and government agencies to try to get a grip on some of the population and things well, like that. For, them for uh, law enforcement too, they know exactly where you are. They could yep. fly a drone over you where you can't even see it, and they can mm-hmm. see the tree. Yep, watch you for when you get down. They could uh, see what you're doing, and you wouldn't even know they're there. Yep. Yep. Um, I could definitely see how it'd be useful for, for that kind of thing for law enforcement. Um, which is probably not, I mean, not a bad thing. I mean, yeah. Yep. Be the eye in the sky. Yeah. (laughs) They can use Uh, people illegally using drones. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm sure it is. it, It would be hard to, uh, for a conservation officer to enforce drone stuff. Cause it, I mean, it, it'd be a challenge to catch someone. We, they are, they're already so scattered. Uh, anyway, yeah, you know, the, there's the hardest part would be, be, you know, how the law would work. You'd almost have to outlaw to even have one in your possession while you're on public property. Yeah. Cause the guy could just walk out into the woods where he's away from anybody and then use it. Right. You know, or, um, how do you stop people on private property from using it? Yep. They don't even have to be hunting. So so say they outlaw it for scouting. They see a guy out in his backyard flying it. He happens to see some deer. He goes out and hunts and shoots one. Well, when they go to court, he's going to say, well, I was recreationally using this drone. I wasn't scouting. How do you prove otherwise? Yeah. So I I think it's going to be, it's going to be something that, that hurts um, ethical moral hunters, I think, in hunting, but th- we've had that stuff before, and we'll have yeah, it. Yeah, sure. I mean, shooting I deer I night. It's not going to stop hunting or anything. It's just, yeah, it's just not something yeah. I'm looking forward to for sure. Yeah. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's nothing. I mean, it's just going to be another thing that can be done illegally. You know, it's just like shooting deer at night is illegal, just like this is going to be illegal to, to use. Right. or just, It's just like night vision yeah. scopes. I mean, you yeah. can't in uh, silencers. You know, you know people yeah. are using them. Or shooting a deer during archery season with a gun. Or I mean, it's all it's all the same concept. You know, people will just abuse it. Um, not, you know, not most people. It's going to be a small number of people, I'm sure, just like everything else. But right. those – Yep, those are the ones that stand out in the uh, the news and everything, you know. Um, it's interesting, though. It will, I guess time will tell. I mean, look at cell cameras. I mean, I'm sure we've all had, I mean, this whole conversation probably got brought up when cell cameras first came out. And um, most people have embraced cell cameras. And now all of a sudden it's like, you start you start to see the tides turn a little bit going the other way again and maybe that'll be something that happens with drones maybe um you know maybe we're at this stage right now where everybody's like you know this is bad then more people use them and all of a sudden states start outlawing them you know you know i see a lot of a lot of people who got real angry about cell cams and screamed and stomped her feet and yeah, several kinds of nasty things about it. Now I have twenty of them and are using them. <laughs> and I, I'm not—I mean, I'm not really comparing sale cameras to uh, to drone usage. I think that's a, not a fair comparison. I think I'm just—I'm just giving you the example of how the cycle of sale cameras have have gone. Not right. not necessarily. I, I mean, honestly, I mean, you still got to kill a deer. You still got to yeah. up to where that deer is and kill it. I mean, it still takes some skill. Yeah, but I think. Uh, it has the potential to make it more like turkey hunting and de- than deer hunting, where you can just see where it's at and just go circle around it. And yeah, well, the difference, like difference between, yeah, the difference between thermal drones and cell cameras is you, you're covering way more area. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, like I mean, cell cam, you got to you see a spot, you see where a deer is for a second, and then you got to get out there and and figure out. You don't know where it bed for sure. You don't know where it's moving no. for sure. You don't know if it left the area. You don't know if it's still there. Right, you can literally just watch a deer with a drone. You can see exactly where it's well, going. You can have it way up in yeah. the sky. And for anybody that thinks, well, there's leaf cover and stuff, you can see it right through it. Yeah, with thermal imaging, you can see the deer right through the leaf cover and everything. Yeah, and with with cell cameras, like deer, deer also like if you're not smart with them, they get deer will get smart to them. You know, they can they'll figure them out and walk around them and everything else. Whereas a drone, they're just they don't even know it's there. You know. Yeah. Um. Now, if you, I think if you, th- if you had fly one right by it or something, it wouldn't like that, but, um, you don't have to fly it right by it. You know, you, you can be 
however many hundred of feet up in the air. I mean, my little dinky, when I have like a filming one, it's not thermal imaging, but it's it's that Maverick Mini or something too. I can't remember what it's called, but DGI makes it. It's like this big, you know, mm-hmm. and I can fly it two miles away from my house, you know, and it's mm-hmm. it's nothing. It's like a $500 or $600 drone. Um, so, you know, that technology is affordable now. My wife that, bought me a few drones to film uh, film with, like, uh, for filming when you're walking out and stuff. Yeah. And um, I can get about 10 feet before I crash. <laughs> Never got that part of it down, huh? Yeah. I, I need, like, a 10-year-old to run it for me. Yeah. It's beyond my comprehension. It's just whack it into stuff, and then it's wrecked. You know, or you drop it into the swamp, and it's like, Yeah. I'm not very good with that stuff. I, uh, I lost one, but, um, yeah, I take, I'll take my, do what racer Dave was telling me, I believe it was him. Yeah. He was in, uh, way back in a swamp, um, near me and a drone came flying out there, found him. It was flying around his stand, watching him. Mm. He said he was pretty annoyed by it. Yeah. Probably, uh government dave <laughs> no <laughs> i don't i was trying to get dave all fired up uh but i don't know we'll out, see get out with your concealed carry yeah so you're scared for your life start shooting your rounds at it um i'm uh oh, we'll see what happens with it i don't know we'll see we'll see how, how, how uh, much more affordable they get um I was talking with Jake at Exodus the other day and he thinks that the future of shell cameras will be you'll they'll start giving them out free for subscriptions. Mm. So like he thinks that he thinks that the market's going to go to I hope he doesn't mind me saying this but that the um one day they'll you know not in the near future but he thinks he thinks one day that you'll be pl- paying for cell phone plans and and then you do that they'll give you a camera for free to yeah, i would bet that's i could see that happen mm-hmm. yep <laughs> but i don't know we'll see technology 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 i know uh i mean at some point in time they have to kind of start limiting things i mean it, they do that in sports you know they do it in golf and baseball like Right now, I, I still watch golf. I played in college and stuff. And right now, the big thing is they're they're talking about taking away some of the technology pros use in golf because they're getting too good, and you know the courses aren't hard enough for the pros anymore. So they're thinking about you know making them use different balls and all kinds of stuff. It's just like deer hunting. You're gonna have to eventually do that one day or start limiting things. You know, I mean, yeah, I don't know. The trouble is when you're in a you're in a in a um, outdoor sport in the woods where you're not monitored, you don't have a, co- uh, a referee and a coaches and an audience. Yeah, I know stuff. I mean, that's what people don't get about hunting. I mean, it, it's really up to your morals and ethics. Yep. So, so I mean, I know people who are like totally dishonest. They're just like basically criminals with weapons that go out hunting. Yeah. And I know people who are totally so worried about wounding a deer, they never shoot. Right. You know, the in-between where, where there's a guy who thinks um, 
that I am totally, I follow the laws and you see them break the law and they go, well, they shouldn't have that law. That's a stupid law. And I'm not following that because it's stupid. Yep. You know, and there's everywhere in between. And it's really um, the ethics and morals of every single hunter is different. And, and it's, uh, you know, in every one of us, you can't really compete with other people is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You really have to, you, you will never have any peace at, of mind until you just, you're happy with what you do and the decisions you make and the things you shoot. And you're not competing with your buddies, your neighbors, and your brother-in-law. And yeah. when you get to that point, then you then you'll be fine with um, okay. They can make drones. I won't like it, but they can go do that. Right. Yep. I don't know. I mean, something else that they could. I mean, it could all lead into like just redu- reducing season lengths and things like that. Like we don't want that to happen either. You know, it's like um, it's all that one's it, increased. Yeah. One shoot less but have more opportunity yeah right right i I mean i don't see any reason why we can't have a a hunt in wisconsin where we start when they're in velvet bucks only until the you know the fawns are plenty old enough you know yep and then uh when the bucks start shedding it's bucks only so that you're only shooting a buck that still has antlers and it goes through january i mean i don't see any reason why we can't have a season that's like half the year Yep. I mean, if you only get one buck, it doesn't matter if you get it, you know, in a month or you get it in that whole season. It'd be nice to be able to hunt velvet bucks. It'd be nice to be able to hunt late. and But, you know, yeah, they're all about numbers and kill everything and shortening seasons and adding all kinds of extra seasons that stop you from hunting. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And then I guess all this is just our opinions, too, because there's, you know, there's probably some guy that has never even heard of the hunting beast that gets to hunt one Saturday a, a year and he wants every advantage he can get to kill a deer, you know, <laughs> it's like, uh, there's those people too, but, mm-hmm. um, anyway, let's get into our topic for a little bit before we get into questions. We were already been, uh, chit chatting for 30 minutes here. Um, May it's May, Dan, we got wow. June, July, August, and September. We got just a handful of months before seasons. I gotta get shooting. I'll tell you that. Is that uh, I, this is what I want to talk about? Like, what do you do during May? Like, is have you are you going to start shooting your bow and getting that all ready to go? Well, I got turkey hunting. Yeah, uh, I I do want to do some bow fishing. I mean, I enjoy that. That's that's a May thing. You know, I'll, I would like to do a little fishing too. Um, yeah. So I mean, and I'm still scouting. I'm still foot scouting on foot through May. Yeah. So um, it's not like I have a month that it's like, okay, this month I can just sit here, you know, but yeah. I think after May, I'll have more time to work on my equipment. Mm-hmm. And when you start getting into June, July, um, I know everybody in my family because of my, um, hunting career plans, everything around those summer months when they think I'm free too. Yeah. Which I mean, today they were throwing dates at me. We're going to do this, this date, this, this date, this, this date when you're not hunting and nothing's going on. Oh, there's things going on, you know, but yeah, you know, so I mean, really it's a hectic life. Yeah, um, it is. But, uh, I think, uh, for me, the real time I'm going to get to really pound on the equipment is probably, um, towards June, July. Yeah. That's what I, my, my prime bow still sitting in, my old office with in the box still. I haven't got it out and tinkered with it at all. 
I got two um, of them, both in boxes, brand new. Yeah. Also, too, um, while we're on that subject, mm-hmm. I've got a prime bowl, my last year's model, mm-hmm. that um, I've been wanting to give away. Mm. But I don't know how to do that on my channel anymore. Because if I give it away on my channel, um, the spammers will come out. They'll use the beast symbol. Oh, yeah. And they will say, you won. Uh, just contact us here and pay shipping. And every time I give something away, a whole bunch of my fans fall for it. And I just, I can't swallow that. Yeah, I know. So I can't give anything away on there because I can say a hundred times, don't send anybody any money. I do not charge shipping and they'll send them 250 bucks to ship a bowl. Yep. And anybody that thinks it costs 250 bucks to ship a bowl maybe deserves to get ripped off, but I still feel bad about it. Sure. Yeah. So I don't know what we got to do. Maybe we got to give it away on here live or something. Um, yep. But I still want people to join my channel if they, if they're going to win it. So I'd like yeah, to we... gonna do it on the, on the show, but we could do something like that. I think. Um, yeah. Well, we, we ought to, we'll probably have two giveaways coming up now because Joe miles texted me yesterday and he's wanting to give away about a, uh, like an early season setup of Osseo gear to, for the channel too. Yes. Nice. Just like the, the whole early season setup. So maybe we can do something where we do like back-to-back giveaways to really. Yeah. Um, I think we're going to have to do the giveaways live now though. I agree. Like, Cause we could, we could probably post. I could, do Cause I'd really like to have some buildup and, and uh, you know, get some subscriptions built up on my channel out of it, but. Yeah. Maybe we'll have it. to post them on Facebook and then maybe we could just post them on the, like, like a post on Facebook. Yeah. Or on on YouTube, I mean, like a YouTube post, yeah. um, and then tell them like the winner will be announced on the show. That way, people can't, you know, like it, that's the only place it's going to be announced. Not in the comments, not an email or anything like that. So, I mean, we get them on here too. I, mean, I think every single channel gets them now. I mean, I, I see them underneath Hunting Public, you know, Meat Eater. All of them have the stupid things. I mean, I've gotten on this channel. I've gotten. The hunting public logo saying people want something from their yeah, channel. There's actually people on my channel that will contact people and say, This is Dan Infault, and they got the hunting beast symbol. And you yep. you have you have won a brand new bow. And they'll even figure out who your sponsors are and they'll say a prime bow or whatever. And uh I just don't yep. want to see people get ripped off no more. So I just don't want to give stuff away on the channel, which is a shame because I like doing that. I like yep. You know, it is fun. Back kind of thing. It's it's kind of fun to watch the excitement when people win something yeah. or whatever. Well, I think what we'll have to do is just we can mention it in a hunting beast video, but then just have a link to, you know, whatever you're going to do. I don't know. We'll figure something out. Just got to make it real clear, like not to respond to anything, any comments on. Maybe uh, we, maybe we should. Uh, when are you going to be up here? May tenth or something? Yeah, Wednesday or okay. next Wednesday. You should shoot a turkey right away and stay up here, and we'll do some uh, do some bull fishing, and let somebody win a bull mm. fishing trip with us, and uh, and get a bull when they're here. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, I think that about that too. Yeah, wouldn't want to wreck your uh, turkey hunt though. Yeah, I gotta get back home before Mother's Day too. That's before Mother's Day. No, it's it's the weekend. The when is third, Mother's? The fourteenth. Huh. Yeah. Which is 
not this weekend, but next weekend. Um, yeah, I, I paid, I've always paid real close attention uh, when I'm turkey hunting, scouting to like scouting for deer. I found some just giant tracks this year, turkey hunting, like things I'm pretty excited about getting, getting some eyes on whatever deers leaving these tracks. Um, well, I've been putting in a lot of scouting myself and, and I'm getting yeah. on to some, um, pretty big bucks. So I'm expecting to have a good season this year. So do you, do you change anything like scouting right now, Dan, like, or is it, is it this considered still spring scouting for you guys? Really? Spring scouting. I mean, it's probably a lot greener by you than it is here. Oh yeah. Especially it's... when I get into cattails, the cattails are still pretty much the same. They're starting to get some grass growing into the beds and stuff, but, um, I think maybe the average guy can't see the beds. Yeah, I can. I've just looked at them enough that I, I know even when there's grass growing them and there ain't deer bedding there now, I can tell where the beds are. Yeah. So um, right now they're pretty much you can see them pretty good. But I would say in the next couple of weeks it's going to change because it's getting to the point where we're starting to mow lawns and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I know this doesn't have anything to do with public land any, or anymore, at least in Wisconsin. But you, what are your thoughts on like people on private land putting out minerals, Dan? This time of year uh, in Wisconsin, it's illegal. Um, on right. your own private land, I ain't got no problem with it. Put it out uh, on public land. It kind of sucks because it's like you're claiming an area. Yeah, well, I'm not. I'm not really um, talking think, about the legality of. I knew it was. I know it's illegal in Wisconsin. What I think about minerals is I don't think it really helps you much in any way. But what it does help is I think it does give you a spot where you can get a good pitcher inventory kind of thing. The bucks will come to that on a regular basis kind of thing in, in the summer, but they don't really hit minerals in the fall. Mm-hmm. They, you know, if you have an early enough season that starts in like real early September, they might still be coming to it. Um, but they really don't hit minerals in the fall. That's a spring thing. It's kind of like their body knows when their antlers are growing or something. I don't right. know. I'm but, sure they probably uh, crave it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um inventory wise i don't think it's a bad thing as long as you're not putting it in where you're gonna hunt and you're not damaging your hunting area i think that's the biggest thing people do is they go they'll make a mock scrape or they'll make a um, mineral lick or something and then they'll put a camera over it and they're in there checking it they're maintaining things or in their trimming lanes and stuff and now that might still kill deer you might kill good bucks doing that and you might do it on a regular basis but take a look at the really biggest bucks I shot. Like in that video we just put up, mm-hmm. damn, top 12 bull kills, right? The reason yep. I did that is because those are all mature bucks, and you can really see the difference of what it took to kill those deer versus your average three-year-old 140-inch or 130-inch buck. Right. Those deer were a whole different ball game. I shot most of my average deer, you know, in stands I've sat before. I've, I've sat, I shot them in rut funnels. Um, Matter of fact, a lot of them came from rut funnels, right? But when you get into the, the ones that are six or seven years old, none of those came from a rut funnel. I think one did, and it was on private land, and it was a rut funnel between two bedding areas that was in thick cover, and there was 100 yards between the two bedding areas. You know, um, so when you start messing with them and putting, you know, minerals in there and stuff like that, you can kill deer on that. You can cure, you know, those are those guys that get into that that just keep shooting those two and three year olds for the rest of their life and say, Oh, I'm a great hunter. Look at all the bucks I shot, but they're never getting those, that next stage every now and then they'll get lucky and get one of those, but they're not doing it on a regular basis. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. 
that's my two cents on minerals. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't really know the science behind it. It, it seems like you'd be so instant, insignificant that, you know, other than the benefits of what you just talked about, I don't know if you're like growing bigger antlers or not. Um, I've had mineral sites out in the past, just, but I don't usually mess with it anymore. I always struggle to find a good spot where it's not going to like interfere with hunting. Like you said, at least on the pr the couple pieces of private I have, I have a hard time finding, you know, I don't, there's just not a real big area to where it's good enough to kind of suffice the law here in Indiana. It's, it can't be coming to it. Or, you know, it can't be, can't be hunting so close to it. And that's a pretty vague law. It has to, you know, it's, it's not really written. Like you gotta be within a hundred yards of it. It's more like they can't be traveling to or from it. Or, I mean, it's, it's written where I think if you had one on a property and you're hunting it, they could probably bust you for it if they wanted to, you know, um, the conservation officer around here told me if I ever put one out just to, to buy a piece of, um, sheet of OSB and put over it for deer season or something like that. Mm. Um, and he said, then you'd be fine. But he said, that's what he even does on his, his pieces of private he hunts. So, um, but not all of them are, that friendly, you know, right. <laughs> you never know. Um, something else I'm getting ready to go do is I got a couple of, uh, small little food plots. I'm going to go and spray the weeds and stuff in them, try to get, the, get ahead of that this year instead of struggling with weeds, you know, spray it a couple times this summer and make sure there's no weeds in them, but mm -hmm. you going to do food plots this year. Yeah. I think I'll do a few just for fun. Yeah. I'm, I'm probably, uh, put some on at Dave's farm, um, even though they could end up selling it, but I don't think they are. They don't have a for sale sign up and they mm -hmm. uh, lease the farming out. Oh, I bet so you're right. Somebody's farming the fields. I don't think they're going to sell it. So um, it looks like the farmer's just doing the front field. So I can probably put the food plots back where they were. That's awesome. Um, only problem with that is that, that, um, the caretaker woman who went rogue on the, the owner sold all the equipment. So, yeah. Um, I don't know if that was kind of something sketchy or what, because uh, I wanted to buy the stuff. She said it wasn't for sale. They weren't selling it. And then uh, one day it was gone and she said she sold it. They wanted it sold. Hmm. So I think uh, she got it or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So I might uh, put some of those plots out. I actually bought a tiller for my ATV. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, not a very good one, but bought one. We'll try yeah. it out. The kind you got to set bricks on, you know. Yeah. Oh, like a like a little disc, ATV disc. Yeah. yeah. So if I spray and I use that and I rip it up, I think I'll be I think I'll be good if I spray it a couple times. Do that. Yeah. Um, I think what I'm going to do this year is it worked really good last year. Is I, I sprayed glyphosate and 2,4-D on it like this time of year. And then like in, a, in a, about a month and a half, I went and just sprayed glyphosate on them again. And that really knocked down the weeds where there was a lot of dirt showing by the time it was time to plant them. Um, yeah. But I'm just going to plant clover again or this year, not again. I, I've been messing with other things the last couple of years and I just, clover just a little bit easier for me to manage because I don't have, uh, you know, I can go and mow it or something, but I don't really have the equipment like you, like your kind of situation you're in too, to really yeah, my, work. My through. friend from uh, Rack's 
um, gave me a bunch of uh, seed. I don't have any yep. of it in here. That uh, R-A-K-K guy. Yep. Back, yep. Give me a bunch of seed. Um, I was telling him what I wanted to do, and he gave me some mixes and stuff for fall and and uh, some good clover mixes, so at least I don't have to go to the store and buy a bunch of that stuff. Find seed. Yeah, maybe I'll give him a few bucks and grab a bunch and um, not have to go shop around or anything. But right. uh, uh, yeah, when we, when we have food plots on, uh, on the farm, I see um, probably a 50% rise in deer, deer numbers, even though we're surrounded by crops, it's like um, better foods hold them there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. More variety. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, on my one farm, I would agree with you like a hundred percent. Whenever I have a food plot out there, the deer are there more, more deer there that stay there longer. Uh, my other farm, I just don't, uh, I don't get a big benefit out of it. It doesn't seem like, but it's probably cause I just don't, it's a pretty large area and they got a CRP field. They got crops, they got beans and corn usually around and um, I think there's a lot of clover and stuff in that CRP that they eat. So my little half acre food plot doesn't seem to help much as far as deer numbers or anything, you know, um, there's probably how, how hard to tell how much forage is inside that CRP field form. So I don't know if I make a difference, you know, if I planted like a five acre one, maybe so, but the thing that helps me the most, believe it or not, is a good clover mix. Yeah. That seems no matter where I put it, that always seems to be the best thing, you know? Yep. Yep. I've heard more than uh, one person say that Rob Hobbery, who's a um, land specialist here, like, like an actual land specialist, like that's what he went to school for. He said, that's about the best thing you can plant for wildlife is a clover food plot. Um, and, and for deer and everything else, he said, um, you get a lot out of it too, because that grows in thick Yeah, and they eat it to the ground. Like they do, you know, you, know, you can put out, uh, you know, a small plot of beans or something or, uh, mm-hmm. or brassicas. And if you don't have a very big, they'll just mow that right to the ground. Mm-hmm. I've heard Lee Lukoski say that's his favorite thing to plant to is clover. Mm. Which that guy has a lot of experience doing that kind of crap. So, um, Jacob must not know we're on because he keeps calling me. Did you see me? Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He must not maybe kill a turkey. <laughs> Uh, when's your guys' sunset right now over there? Uh, geez, I don't know. It's, uh, probably it's 730. Dark now, so probably a half an hour ago. So I'd say 730. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he did. Well, he's, I don't think he has a tag right now. Oh, he doesn't? No, it was Never mind. the first week. Yep. Anything else in May you're doing other than kind of your normal spring scouting, turkey hunting? I'd encourage people to go and enjoy fishing or something if you got time. Yeah, I, uh, Saturday uh, fishing opens, but I, I believe that um, I'm going to get some scouting done this weekend. Yeah. I, do, I would like to get down to Iowa and do some scouting. Oh, yeah, you ought to do that. Not that you can just pick up and drive to Iowa, but what is it? How, how far drive is it to you for you where you're going to hunt at? Uh, I would say it's probably six, seven hours. I don't know. Yeah. 
I got a buddy, Patrick, who was on that, who went to Illinois with me this year. He's going to Missouri this weekend, turkey hunting. He invited me, but it's, it's actually 10 hours for me to get to Missouri from my house. Or no, eight hours, which was just a particular area he was in. It was kind of a drive. I mean, you thought so, those TSS shells were expensive. Think about the gas you're putting in your vehicle to do that. Oh, yeah. I know. I know. Yep. Gas is expensive again, too. But what's new? All right. Let's get to some questions, Dan. Then we'll, we'll get off here. Everybody, uh, if you didn't hear me earlier, if you got a question, try to leave a um, question mark before the question in the comments, and then a way I can tell it's a question. And make sure you hit the subscribe button if you like the the show tonight. Um, hit the like button as well; that always helps out help, helps us out. Uh, let's see. How many subscribers here. you have now? Uh, it's like twelve thousand two hundred, I think, something like that. I'm rounding up. There's a there's quite a few people on tonight talking about deer hunting, which is uh, always the the topic of choice for everybody. Uh, sounds like uh, Zeke's still out there trying to shoot a turkey. It'd be cool to hear about little Zeke getting a turkey. All right, are both of you going to be at the Mobile Hunting Expo in Kalamazoo both days? We're actually going to do one of these shows there too. At least that's the plan at the moment. Yep. Doing like a live live show there uh, for everybody to listen to, and maybe just do like a Q and A or something like that. See what kind of uh, topics we can we can get into. All right, here's a good D Sizzle ask. What's two important tips you'd give someone new to mobile hunting for their first season out? me to go or are you going to go you go first uh my number one one would be keep moving don't lock into a spot and by a spot i mean like a tree you can hunt a deer down but if you if you keep pounding the same spot you'll never kill anything big um most of my success comes from when they say mobile that means mobile moving mm -hmm. you know moving around to different spots and trying different things those deer pattern you um, so that's number one. Uh, number two is uh, scout four times more than you hunt. You got to do a lot of scouting, find a lot of spots, find a lot of situations, really understand what you're looking at. More than just saying, well, I know the land. You need to know where the, the bucks you're hunting bed. You need to know where they feed. You need to know the travel routes to go out there. And you need to get in between up close to the bedding. So it's important that you understand all that. So scouting is really important. You should have a lot of uh, um, spots. You should feel really confident about your uh, situation. And uh, even though you feel really confident in a spot, don't dwell there. If you mm -hmm. hunt there and it's happening, at least leave it alone for 20, 30 days. I mean, you, you can't just pound those spots. Yep. And I'll try to pick something different than Dan said. So, like, I tell you um, – try to be patient with yourself if you're if you're new to it like you're gonna you're gonna be sweaty sometimes and struggle and you're probably gonna screw up and make some noise and just i think you gotta like go into it uh at least the first little bit here as, as a, a learning experience 
uh, maybe practice with your gear a little bit this summer and before the season starts that way you're um you're proficient with it you know if you're if you are new to mobile hunting and you never put up a mobile stand you really don't want that to be the uh, when you're setting up uh in the woods to hunt to be your first first time um but yeah i would just i would be okay with like you know maybe give yourself an extra 30 minutes on each hunt to try to um take your time and, and be be a little more more patient um trying to think of a another one that that you didn't uh didn't say dan but um I, something else is like i guess if you want to say mobile hunting or or like like beast style hunting um i would i'd tell you like sometimes it takes you a couple years to get it figured out and i guess that kind of brings back into your patience but like um you know don't don't uh, don't get too frustrated with yourself if you're not seeing deer or you're um uh, don't feel like you're you're doing something right it just takes some time and i think that's part of the nice thing about mobile hunting is like eventually you'll bump into something and then you're like oh this is this is what i need to be doing you know yeah. um whereas guys that just go and set the same four or five stands you don't really learn much right so yeah, just think of enjoyable too because i mean if you, yeah to go on to what you're saying you, you know um i see a lot of people that just like to get frustrated and angry because they're not getting success or something and if yeah. you if you're getting angry take a break yeah you should be having fun i'm out right. there enjoying myself even when i run into something stupid and you know run into people in my spots or whatever i'm still enjoying myself right you know? and and if you're not you probably shouldn't be out there doing it you should be doing things you enjoy right okay paul asks have you hunted deer on the mississippi river islands thoughts on effectiveness i, I have I've uh, I've hunted on the Wisconsin River Islands. Um, they're hit or miss. Um, they're either there, or they're not, probably, huh? Yep. Mm -hmm. I, I noticed that uh, islands that they can walk to seem better than the ones that they have to swim to. The size is relative too. I mean, if it's big enough, it'll have deer even if they got to swim to it. You know what I mean? Yep. But uh, they seem to like the ones that they can they can walk through the water to better than the ones they have to swim to. Yep. All right. Kyle Smith asks Josh and Dan, I hunt a really thick piece of public. It all looks like great bedding, but it's hard to decipher good spots from great spots. What's a couple of key features that make spots stick out to you? For me, it's land features. It's edge. Number one. Uh, num number two, it's going to be, features in the land nothing is completely flat you're gonna look at your highest points your lowest points the edges um timber that shapes points and stuff um if you go out into swamps and lowland everything will look the same and you see beds everywhere big bucks don't bed everywhere they're going to bed in key spots in that terrain the rest of the deer fill the void and you got to go find where those big bucks are and generally they're going to be in terrain features that aren't out in the middle of the open like I don't mean open, but in the middle of the thick. They're not just going to yeah. be out randomly in the middle of the thick. They're going to be in some feature that causes a predator to give himself away before he gets to him. So leads him down a point of trees. Um, passes by some place that they, he can see, where he can smell from behind, see in front. And that's going to be your edges. It's going to be 
your points. It's going to be those same features we're always talking about. They're a little more subtle when you get into that swamp and stuff that everything looks the same, but they're still there. And one thing you can do is just look for concentrations of the huge sign. You know, when you see big rubs and big tracks and scrapes and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, you know, I've gone to swamps that are three miles across and they're literally every hundred yards. You can find groups of beds. Yeah. But those spots tend to have pockets of giant deer that are here and there. And they're generally in overlooked spots and using some terrain feature like we're talking about. There you go. Some people are commenting on, they like my new studio. So thanks. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Me and Eric did a bunch like of work mine. on it. Oh, you like mine? It looks awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh it's actually like smaller than my other one, but it's uh see when I was your age, I'd have had something like that too. Now I just don't give a damn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I helped I helped my neighbor take down his old barn and he gave me all this barn wood. Yeah, I liked so, it. That looks really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I got a bunch more to the to the left over here, but um and there's some behind me. I just can't move, move them out of the way, but now I've screwed it up. So nice. You don't have the echo yep. in my, uh, your my barn. Shop. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I had to do a bunch of work because a lot, the, uh, I put some like foam pads and stuff behind the, I, it was real echoey in here, but I, I fixed it like yesterday. I went to Home Depot and bought a rug and because it was just a bare room, you know, it just echoed real bad. But, uh, no, it's good. I like it a lot. It's, my own space too now you know i can you should have probably left the echo there because uh then people will be uh complaining about the echo you know, uh -huh. that's in your that's in your room and that would divert them from all the other complaints yeah so, right <laughs> yeah that's the only thing they have to complain about oh <laughs> uh, that's funny josh i uh, said we'd love to see you all do a video talking about your gear breakdown from clothing to weapons to packs etc yeah we're, we're, we're planning on doing that we've just been slow about it yeah and it's like i don't know i'm not ready to do it honestly like all my crap is not together my bow is not exactly. together i don't know exactly, exactly what i'm going to be using so maybe give us like middle of the summer maybe we'll do something like that That's for sure. I'm, at, I'm exactly in the same position yeah i thought i was thinking about it uh like a month ago i was like thinking about getting it all together i'm like oh like i'm gonna wait because I might get this something my new. Or, I put a sight on it and a rest and a, a quiver. Yeah. yeah. This would be um, my other bow if I did the same thing. This is right. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we, me and Dan have talked about doing that though, doing like uh, both of us doing a video on, on the gear we, we use. And then maybe we, maybe after we post it, we'll get on here and talk about it too a little bit. Um, mm. So stay tuned. Dan, do you know how much a dog costs a, bring out um i'm not sure a lot of them don't really charge they just kind of ask you to like give a tip kind of like they hope yeah uh, some of them do have an actual fee i would say it's probably you, you know you should expect to give somebody about a couple hundred bucks yeah you know, there's people that give them a hundred bucks and there's but I, I would think that if a guy's gonna you know on a whim during hunting season and those guys hunt is going to spend an evening with you searching for your deer with his dog. I think it's worth a couple hundred dollars. I think so too. And if you think about just how many hours they take out of their day to help you, like if you just think about paying them 30 bucks an hour or whatever, 20 bucks an hour, it's like, 
it's it's definitely worth it. You take they're taking time away from their family or something else they want to be doing to go help you do something. Right. Um, but I think you're right. A lot of them just uh, work off tips, and then they're spending their money too, gas and feeding that dog and everything else. You know. Yeah, I don't. I'm not sure how the laws work too. In some places, they can't charge, but they can take donations. Yep. Yeah. You know, I don't know how this state is or other states, but there are laws about what you can charge for. Um, when it's hunting thing. Yeah. Um, and in some places they cannot charge people. So they have to take it like as tips, but if they don't think they're going to get any money and they're going to travel there and pay their gas and their time and their travel expenses and uh, go away from their family and not be hunting. I know like uh, when Max came out, I mean, he's out hunting. He's out. I mean, like last year he shot a booner. I mean, he's out shooting giant bucks. He's out hunting just like I am. And he's given yeah. up a day of hunting to come out and help me. And he's given yeah. up days to help other people because he's got a passion for people not losing deer. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, I feel like I owe him for that, you know? So I, yeah. um, he's never really even asked me for money, but I just always offer a couple yeah. hundred dollars, you know? Yep. Yeah. All right. Rich asks, when does last year's sign start to fade out for the last minute scouting? Um, that's a good question. Um, yeah. I think you can always kind of see it, if that makes sense. But uh, it takes a more trained eye the later it gets. Um, like right now, in some terrains, it's pretty tough. In other terrains, it's still pretty easy. But I would say, um, you know, probably when you start getting into June, you start losing a lot of that up here. But it's probably earlier down by you. So I think uh, regionally, it makes a difference too because i mean we're just starting to get leaf cover and stuff and i think you're probably pretty green down there oh we are we're we are well past green up i mean we're full full green up now i mean farmers like, are not done planting and, down there. yeah yeah it's been cold the last couple of days though like it was like high of 45 yesterday and today got a little nicer it's windy but um but yeah no there's like I said, I talked to a couple of farmers. A lot of them are, you know, three quarters of the way done planting already. So it's been been nice here. Obviously, the best time to do it is like January, February. Yeah. Oh yeah. Into March. Yeah. I kind of like to stop scouting heavy in areas turkey hunted before turkey hunting. Yeah. I mean, when uh, me and Eric were out scouting, we came up, we almost walked right through a, a turkey hunter's setup. Yeah. But I didn't they think are- anybody hunting where we were out in the middle of uh, swamp and water and muck and stuff but there was somebody yeah i would i tell i always like to like get it all wrapped up before turkey season starts i mean mm-hmm. the 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 big scouting trips you know i'm always looking tracks and looking looking for deer but um like boots on the grounds like just going out and scouting i like to get it done you know before may and turkey season really gets fired up yeah um, you know i, I I wouldn't want to go into a parking lot where there's a truck there and walk out and run into somebody turkey hunting or hunt. I mean, especially they hear you get five days. Yeah. Right. Might be the only day they can hunt in that five days, you know? Yeah. And really it's like some guys probably just get the weekend, you know? Yeah. Um, All right. Let's see here. Messy hunting ask, uh, what is your best advice you can give for hunting early season by what you learn from glassing in velvet? seems like I get 
on them, and then they disappear right before season starts. Hmm. Yeah, some of them do, some of them don't. I think I just try to keep on them right to the season. I try to watch where they're going and figure out, you know, if they're disappearing, where they're kind of moving to. If they just kind of start getting later and later into the night and they just disappear and you know they're in the area, I generally hunt the area down. Yeah. So I start looking at all the bedding in the area and, and literally in most terrains, there's only so much where a buck can live. Yeah. So I started thinking about all the overlooked stuff. Where do hunters don't go? I start looking for that that five or ten percent where nobody looks. And um, start you know, you know, generally they don't go far. I right. say generally because I have seen bucks show up five miles away after they move or they relocate in the fall. But most of the time, they're still right there somewhere. Yep. It, dep- it depends on your uh, time of year you open to. If early season's October 1st or if it's September 1st, you know. Yeah, that makes um, a big difference too, yeah. Yep. In Indiana here, like, I do a lot of glassing and looking for velvet deer, but it's more of just seeing – just to see what's going on and you know what's in the area, and then you got to really rely on your, um, your your wintertime and springtime scouting to know like where these deer could potentially be. Um, you know, and I find interesting is for me what I've noticed is the older deer seem to lock in better. Yeah, it's like yeah. the three year olds that are like the you know nice deer that are like the you know, the 140, sometimes push 150, sometimes bigger as a three-year-old. But those ones are the ones that seem to just have big home ranges, move a lot, get bumped easy. Um, but when they get into like that six or seven-year-old range, they seem to just lock into areas. Now, that doesn't make them easier. It makes them easier to know where they're at. But they generally lock into an area for a reason. Like that's an area that they, they can really survive there. Mm-hmm. So those mature ones are usually not moving all that far they might you might stop seeing them in the fields but they're right around there somewhere right captain chow gave us a five dollar donation thanks man so he's already found his obsession for the outdoors in his early and mid-20s he's gonna get a lot of peace out of your videos old and new keep it up guys thanks thank you um when are we going to hunt ohio again dan i don't know me either. <laughs> I got two. I got four trail cameras in Ohio right now. Then you got to get over there. So yeah. Sooner or later, you got to hunt there. <laughs> yeah, I got to get. I got to get over there. Um, it's not that no, far from my house. It's about two and a half an hour drive. You take an, uh, on Iowa or Kansas take? Just or Kansas. I put in for Kansas. But so depending Ohio's, on Kansas, it's probably pretty likely you'll end up yeah. in Ohio. Ohio. I'm going to be hunting. Um, I'm going to be hunting. Iowa, I'm, I'm assuming, mm-hmm. and Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And um, I might want to do something real early, like in September, depending on whether or not I bear hunt. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if I take out, I might do something else, but it'd probably be like Indiana or Illinois or something. I don't know. I might go down by Josh if I take out. But yep. Um, I'll, we'll I'll go to, I mean, there's a good chance I'll go to Ohio. Uh, this year, I, I, I'm going to go pull those trail cameras sometime. I just um, haven't done it yet. Probably wait till after turkey season now, but um, it'll be one of those You're things. Not that where it, so for no, you, I, I, no, my, I can be a, in a public land and where I hunt in two and a half hours from my house here, so it's not bad at all. Um, 
So we'll we'll just have to we'll have to see. I got I'm also having a baby in the middle of deer season, so that, we'll just have to see how that goes. And um, going to go to planning on if as long as like draw and everything, probably go to Kansas in the end of November. Um, but and then it'll depend on Indiana too. Like if I have an Indiana tag or not, I'm going to try right. pretty hard to kill one early in Indiana. Oh, a lot of questions tonight, Dan. That's fine. Um, yep. Don't forget, guys, if you got a question, try to leave that question mark be- beforehand here. Um, uh, yeah, a lot of people are uh, comparing that live scope for fishing to drones for hunting. That's a big thing in fishing right now is they've developed some fish finders that are pretty pretty good, I guess, and the tournaments are turning into who can spend the most on fish finders, not necessarily who's the best fisherman anymore. That's what I've been told. I know nothing about those tournaments, but from what um, I've seen the tournaments lately, you just need big lead sinkers to shove down their throat. Yeah, right. Oh, <laughs> uh, Gary's on. He was in Mexico. He's in vacation in Mexico. He, he's back now, though. Mm. Welcome back, Gary. Hopefully you didn't get sunburn or anything down there. Let's see, I'm getting to the end. Some people are offering to give us some equipment to give away. We, me and Dan have plenty of stuff we can give away. You guys don't need to do do things like that. Um, give that to someone that needs it. That's what I would recommend doing. Yeah, someone on uh, under my last video said that his uh, house burned down. He lost everything. Really. Yeah, and, and uh, right away, somebody got on there and offered them extra hunting gear that they had so they'd have gear. To, and he said, I can't even take that because right now I don't even have no clothes. I don't have no place to stay, nothing. Yeah. So he goes, maybe I'll find you after I find a place to live. Um, yeah. And that'd be horrible to lose everything you have. Oh, man, I can't imagine. My grandma, this the house I live in now burnt down in the early 70s. My grandparents, when they, my grandparents built it, um, yeah, it's, it's a, that'd be a devastating thing. I'd say the last thing on his mind is probably finding some, a new bow or anything. You know, you're like, you got to find just basic living things again. Yeah. Phil, Philip the wise ask if you're going to plant your backyard food plot again. Yeah, I'll probably do that. Just try not to burn down the marsh. Just go yeah, I do that. I do that for enjoyment. I, you don't really, it's I'm surrounded yeah. by others, but. Yeah. I I like I kind of like planting food plots. I kind of enjoy getting out there and doing it. Um right now my backyard is a lake. Really? Where I had my food plot um last year is uh about three and a half feet of water. Yeah. There's a natural pond there, it's just usually dry. But the pond is usually about a foot deep, but we got a lot of water right now. Mm. Gary, uh, I'll butcher your last name, man. So I'm sorry. I'm not even going to try. Um, do you use aiders on your sticks? Curious if you ever see them. I do. I use cable aiders, though. I don't use those floppy, like, uh, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. 
Dan does not. Wide enough. Yep. Joseph asked if we're going to go to Minnesota ever again. I've never been to Minnesota. Um, I would say, um, before we get into that, uh, if yeah. you're going to use daters, I would suggest just using it on the bottom stick. Yeah. It gets a little dangerous if you get too elevated. Yep. Um, what was the next question? If, if you're going, we're going to go hunt Minnesota again. Probably eventually. Yeah. I get up there bear hunting a lot. But once yep. every four or five years, when I draw a tag. But, I'm surprised uh, you, you haven't been there more than you have, just because it's in the next state over from you. Yeah, but there's some good spots. Yeah. I've been in everywhere a little bit. You know, I've been in yeah. Minnesota a little bit, Iowa a little bit, Illinois a little bit, Indiana yeah. a little bit, Michigan a little bit. You know? Yeah, right. Floating around. That's that's my it's actually a, a problem because right. if I'd go back to those spots over and over again, I'd kill I'd kill bucks consistently in those areas. It's like I get there, I learn it, and now I want to go learn something else. To yeah. me, it's you know, it's not as much about killing deer as it is uh the challenge of figuring them out. I, I don't know. Probably right. not a good thing to do with where I'm at, but it's the truth. It is what it is. All right, you Captain Chat. You, you always like, like, let's just go over to someplace good and hunt. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah, sometimes. I mean, I don't. I uh, <laughs> desert. <laughs> I didn't mind Michigan. I just wasn't. Uh, I wasn't real. Um, I just didn't make the trip up to the UP. It's just a long ways, and I'd already. I don't know. Um, I kind of have this thing where I want to. I'd like to shoot a deer in about every state that has whitetails, you know, and I already shot, I shot that doe up there in Michigan. I know UP is kind of a whole different state almost, but um, anyway, would you choose remote public or dating the fat chick if you were planning to hunt mid-Michigan? Uh, I would choose both. I, I think uh, both are, are good avenues. But with that said, when I hunted mid-Michigan, the best stuff I found was the overlooked stuff by the roads. Mm -hmm. I found that uh, um, when I went to Michigan the first time, I got a million messages from people almost mocking me saying, saying, uh, your crap won't work here. Deer don't bed by the road here. Um, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, uh, try that in our state. I got a lot of that, believe it or not. Yeah. And when I got there, I found it to be the exact opposite, that there's way more deer by the roads there than there was here. And I think there's a reason for that. I think they, the people of Michigan, and this isn't something saying something bad about them or anything. It's just a, a fact that they get to put tree stands up and leave them on public mm. land. And they've been trained to do that, that your stand is a spot. And they put stands up and they leave them out there, right? Yeah. And nobody wants to put a tree stand up right over the top of a road and sit there. I didn't find any tree stands in that situation. And that's where I found the deer. I found them overlooked by the roadsides in a lot of cases, um, yeah. especially the bigger sign, the bigger deer. So I think the um, fat chick stands are probably a good option in mid Michigan. They were for me. I mean, the overlook stuff and overlook can be remote or it can be by the road, but I think Michigan guys are pretty dedicated and hardcore about getting remote. And it's easy to get remote when you already got a stand sitting there. Mm -hmm. Like like in Wisconsin, if you if you got to walk two and a half miles through water to your hips, carrying a stand and sticks with you is a deterrent. But if you got a stand and sticks already out there, 
you can take a nice little kayak ride out there or you can just walk. Yeah. It's easier, you know? Right. Pete asked if you test your deer for CWD. <laughs> no, I do not. Actually, uh, um, I try to avoid it as much as I can. I wouldn't want them to find CWD in it and then come over here and destroy my herd. So um, I would rather eat a deer steak knowing that it's got CWD in it than, uh, you know, mess with a rabid bat or something. You know, CWD has never killed a human ever. And if you think about it, millions and millions of people have eaten it. That might sound far-fetched, but it's true. Um, it's CWD has been in uh, Colorado longer than I've been alive. Documented. Yeah since the um, mid sixties, I was born in 67 before I was born, they were finding it in Colorado and nobody in Colorado ever, ever um, was testing deer or anything like that when that was going on, they were just eating them. And CWD is showing up everywhere in this country, everywhere they test for it, they find it, but yet they haven't had one person die from it. It doesn't affect people. I could care less if deer has CWD. Now, I would never eat a deer that looks sick or is sick. And I wouldn't recommend doing that. Not to mention, it's just gross. But I'm not scared of it. And I don't test my deer at all. And I even hunt um, some areas where, um, you, you know, uh, I think it's like three out of four mature bucks have CWD. If you get to, up to like Mount Horeb, maybe I got those numbers wrong. But I remember it was some pretty high statistics if you shoot a mature buck and i don't test them you know yeah. i drive them home and eat them yep i would just follow the laws and do whatever right if they right. make me test them i test them yeah if they don't make me test them i don't test them because i don't like what they do with their results they don't see in my opinion they do not use cwd testing to um to check for cwd they use it as a tool to force people into deer management. Mm. That's how CWD got out of hand, like in Wisconsin and in the Midwest and stuff. Because in Wisconsin, the 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 DNR that's controlled by by the um, political party running the state, not by the game department. It's whoever the governor is is in charge of the DNR. Yeah, he's making the decisions on numbers and stuff, and they want to at least one of the parties wants to bring the population of deer way down. They want to let a real low number. They don't want it affecting farmers. They don't want it having car accidents. They're getting money from insurance companies to get them numbers down. And um, the hunters who pay for the DNR want a whole different thing. They want numbers in a, you know, healthy, respectable numbers that they can kill animals in. And the DNR cannot do anything because it's governed by the people. So they want their numbers low. And we want the numbers higher. And the only way they can bring those numbers down is without our permission is with a, um, a disease or something where they can say, nope, we have to. And that's what they did is they use CWD as an excuse to bring the numbers way down. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, so I don't want them to, to use a deer eye shot as an excuse to screw me. Mm -hmm. All right. Can't find the question now. Someone was asking, um, when do we start putting trail cameras out? Um, me, probably 
July or August. Yeah. I mean, the earlier the better, but you better have a, a camera that has um, good battery use or have solar panels on it or something because uh, you can't be going out to changing batteries. Yep. Yeah, I always I, I put them out starting in the spring when I start scouting in the in the mm -hmm. spring. Just got to make sure, like Dan said, to have decent set of batteries and an SD card that can you know not get full full on you. Um, try to make sure there's no vegetation that's going to grow up around it. But um, now, now you you can you can put them out during season and uh, in the fall whenever you want and and not have one that has good battery life either. If yeah. you're not where you hunt, if you're just putting it to check deer. Right. So I, I guess if I was using a, a cell camera, it would be very important to me that it had good battery life. Yeah. And that I could just leave it alone when I put it in there. Yeah. Yeah. And not just have it die and sit out there because I can't go near it, can't go collect it or anything like that. Yeah. Um, but if I'm using a regular camera and I'm just putting it out by a food source on a field edge or something, I feel like I could sneak in there and check that every now and then. It's not going to really hurt much. Um, yeah. But in, there's two different cases. One of them is telling me when to hunt for a deer. You, you know, a camera that I put near a bed area. It might even be a regular camera, but it's going to sit there and it's going to monitor for a season and tell me when that deer is bedding there and exiting in the way I, where I can kill it. I don't want to go near that camera once I get it in there. Right. Camera that I got near a food source just to tell me what lives in the area. You know, what do I have as options? That I can check more often. That I can yep. go out there and check or um, change batteries on if the batteries go dead or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I just put regular SD card cameras or non-cell cameras out right now. As I don't put any uh, cell cameras out. Um, let's see here. On my private land, I probably will wait till the summer, though, when the you know racks are full and all that. Uh, July. Do you think it'll come when they don't even have regular cameras? But they're all cell cams? I mean, I have to think somebody will be selling them, but I, I know a lot of companies are just starting to go away from regular cameras. Yeah. I mean, someone has to sell them to, you know, if the, uh, states that you can't use cameras on, I guess, or, or well, sell. Well, yeah. if you just sell cams, you, you better keep making them. Um, yeah. I, I mean, cell service needs to get better for me before I can use cell cameras everywhere. I mean, we. Well, that's another yeah, thing. Yeah. Out, out, yeah. Out in the hills, it's horrible. Um, all right, let's do a couple more questions here before we hop off here. Jesse asked, while scouting, is there any certain type of vegetation you see bucks bedding around consistently, shrub species, invasive species, native species? Uh, cattails, dogwood, tamarack, anything thick. Yep. Thick and leafy. Uh, they like, uh, pine cover and uh, uh like pine thermal cover and uh winter cold times you know cedar um just about anything can be good bedding cover if it's thick enough or has enough uh shade cover mm -hmm. yep i think all that's true down here and then we got like green briar a lot more green briar down here that deer really enjoy bedding in and feeding in um I've noticed that they, it's like a, yeah, I don't think that gives them much shade, but it gives them a safety factor you oh, can't man. Get without making noise or, yeah. And they seem to know it. Yep. Yep. For sure. Chaney farm. He said, we would love to see, would love to see footage of how both of you climb a tree and set up, even if it's not on a hunt. I have one of those. I think, 
I think we both do on the Hunt and Beast. Yeah, there's some there's some footage like that on the Hunt and Beast and on your channel, I believe. Right? Or, or I, I think it's both on Hunt and Beast. Both might be on the Hunt and Beast, right? Yeah, but yep. Dan's is yours is a vintage one though. Yours is it was quite a while ago. One there's one from a couple winters ago, not too long ago, where I went out in uh, snow and I, I messed with everybody. I went out and set up on a deer. I didn't have a tag, and I just went out there and went like I was hunting. And then when I got to the tree and I got it all set up, I said, well, I'm not going to hunt today. And I had nobody that wanted to go hunting, so I'm going to pull this down and leave. And everybody was mad at me. But it was a good video because it showed exactly. I just actually went out and found tracks and went in like I was going to set up, set up the stand and everything. Yeah. How to do it. That I can't remember the name of it, though. Yeah, I can't I remember the name of mine either. Um, it's on there though. You have to just go back to the go to the yeah, videos. You're, you're probably stuff. thinking of the one with me with a really old vintage. Oh yeah, it would have been back in the day. Which I wouldn't yep. even want to promote that uh, that thieving name anymore. <laughs> yeah, you could do it. You could do a quick one this summer or something. It'd be an easy video to do. Um, thanks for the donation, low bow lone bow hunter. He says, "When do you start glassing and shining during the summer? Is it determined?" Uh, to use the path at night or to get back and shine fields not next to the road? Is it detrimental to use the paths at night to get back and shine fields? Okay, number one, I start uh, shining in um, mid to late June. That's when you start to see how big a buck's going to get. That's when you start to see the formation of the racks and stuff. They're not really all that big. The tines will be real short, but they'll have their spread, and the brow tines grow first. You'll see a heavy rack buck with big brows, and you'll know something's in the area. So I start looking in mid to late June. And uh, as far as getting off the trails and stuff, I've done that. I did a lot more of that when I was younger, um, getting back with a battery pack uh, and shining. It It is a little detrimental. I mean, you do scare the heck out of them. Mm -hmm. um, but if you did it once or twice just to see something really remote, I don't think it'll hurt you especially if it's in like July or August and you don't get too close to hunting season. But uh, yeah. I tend to glass and stuff that's remote more than I do uh, shine. Right. Right. Yeah. Usually in the summertime, you can get an eye on deer during daylight hours still, especially if it's yep. a remote field. All right, Lou, Lou S. Thanks for the donation. He's asking if we've seen any new fawns on camera yet. Uh, I have not, but it's about that time. Usually about the first week of May, I start seeing them during turkey season. And we're about there, but I have not seen one yet. Yep. Yep. I have not either. I've saw some pretty nice, healthy have any cameras out though. Yeah. I've seen, I don't have any either. I've checked at least this turkey season. I saw some pretty healthy looking does. Um, we've been on here know, for an hour and a half. The, the turkey uh, video I did, but I had three bucks busting my uh, turkeys out of there. Day yeah. One. Yep. That's a good sign. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get off here, Dan. We didn't get to everything, but there's we've been on an hour and a half and come come back next next uh whatever Thursday, Thursday and uh ask again. We'll we'll get to you. Um thanks everybody for getting on tonight. It was a, a good time. Hit the like button before you leave and subscribe to the channel if you like what we're doing. See you everybody. Thanks, Bye.